You're listening to KJ Recaps. Welcome back to KJ Recaps. We are here recapping Westworld Season 2, Episode 7, Des Ecorchés. I am Jess. I am Kim. Uh, Kim, so I saw, I mean, you commented, commented just before we started recording, and I also saw this on, uh, I think it was on Reddit, but it was like, never has an episode of exposition been so goddamn confusing. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like, I think I know what's going on, but I'm not really sure. And even the things that I feel confident about, I mean, like, I'm, it's next week, I'm going to find out I'm wrong. It happens every time. So, oh, I know. You know, it's Westworld. Ford tells us exactly what's happening. Then I research for three hours as to like what exactly <laughs> I know. is happening. I know. I was saying, you guys, I was saying to Jess as I was taking notes, I was like, one episode with Anthony Hopkins and my notes are three pages longer than any <laughs> other episode. He's like, he's talking in riddles. He's like, I don't know. He's popping up in people's brains, you guys. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> It's just amazing. It uh, oh it was yeah. So we are going to uh, delve into this episode. We'll do a quick recap, and then we have a ton of discussion points and agree. I mean, now we're into the home stretch. Uh, the preview for next episode actually looks like it might be a standalone, very interesting Ghost Nation episode, okay. which is super cool. And the preview looks excellent. So if that's the case, I'm guessing that would be an entire episode with like very important information before nine and 10 come back to kind of recap. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I think we'll I probably leave this for an episode. So, um, but we are definitely getting into these final few episodes and there's a lot to tackle in this episode. So uh, we will do our best. Look forward to you guys letting us know what you think. <laughs> um, so why don't I, Kim, run through the recap really quick and then we'll dive in because I think it makes sense to give us as much time as possible to chat about it. Sounds good. Uh, so I love the uh, synopsis. The match is lit of this episode. So in the present timeline, we have Stra Strand and Hale Thinking that either Stubbs or Bernard has the decryption key and are planning to sell it to the highest bidder. Of course, they ultimately stumble on this many versions of Bernard hosts, uh, discovering for the first time, possibly, that Bernard is a host. Yes. Uh, Hale tortures Bernard to get the information about where Peter Abernathy is. Bernard says he doesn't remember. And we uh, kind of have these flashbacks to one week ago when he ultimately comes back to the present uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, there's a discussion from Costa saying his system looks like it's under siege or trying to defragment itself. Um, and Bernard tells Hale and possibly the others where to find Peter Abernathy's control unit. Uh, side note, did you see that screenshot of all the different ways you can torture a host on the computer? No. Uh, oh, it was God. like a close-up screenshot. Yeah, and it was like waterboarding was selected. But then there was like 14 other options, all of which you could like adjust to different points. Like, I mean, like, rough. honestly, I I like I wish I could say I was surprised. Surprised. For fuck's sake. I mean, like a really quick side note, um, just that like the line that Dolores gives uh, Hale when she was like begging doesn't help. If you've lived the lives I've lived, <laughs> you would know that. I was like, chills, Dolores. You're giving me chills. It's so true. It's like so true. Yeah. And like humans being so desperate to become hosts. This episode 
episode is just full of reasons why you don't want to become a host and backed up and re able be able to restore it at will, you know. Right. It's like it's pretty exactly. Awful. I mean, like that is like chilling to think that at the push of a button that you could yeah. simulate waterboard. T- yeah, exactly, and not yeah. he's not even being waterboarded. I mean, like it's he just thinks he is, uh, and yeah. he's holding his own breath. It's just it's awful. Um, so in the one week ago timeline, we have Bernard in the cradle where their hosts are in their original loops. We find Ford, um, and ultimately we find out that the purpose of the park is to observe the guests, that it's an experiment and the hosts are the controls and the guests are the variables. Delos has been copying guests with the intention of uh, achieving eternal life through those, um, host bodies, human consciousness. Ford takes Bernard to a replica of Arnold's house, informs him that the, he was tested here in the cradle by Dolores for many years. He is not ultimately an exact replica of Arnold. He's an original host, or sorry, original work like the other hosts. And then Ford enters Bernard's control unit and is, this is just the best, inside his head after they leave the cradle, uh, forcing him to destroy what's left of the systems. Much discussion to come on that. Mm-hmm. Um Men in Black and Maeve meet up after being chased into the same town by Ghost Nation, which obviously gives Maeve massive flashbacks. While the Men in Black thinks that she's Ford, she ultimately shoots him and commands the others to um, and ultimately has this great moment with Lawrence, uh, which results in Lawrence shooting the Men in Black as well uh, before QA arrives, thanks to Sizemore. Um, They kill Lawrence, shoot Maeve, and Maeve's daughter is taken by Ghost Nation. And Dolores and her army arrive at the Mesa for utter destruction. Uh, ultimately, Dolores takes the control unit from her dad's head, cuts it out of there. Yep. Uh, Angela self-destructs the cradle. And Dolores has an interaction with May, a badly wounded Maeve. Uh, she's leaving the Mesa where she ultimately lets Maeve choose her own fate, even though she doesn't believe in what she's trying to do. So... That's like the brief summary of what we went through in this episode. So, Kim, uh, hard to know where to start here, but why don't I start with, uh, I thought this Bernard is not a copy of Arnold. No. And he was worked on, right? Worked on for years in the cradle. So I have a bunch of questions, but thoughts just maybe broadly about how Ford used the cradle. I thought this was really interesting, like years of development in there, You can work things out in the cradle before kind of applying them out in real life. Yes. I I thought so interesting. Also, again, so I was wrong last week when I said that that Dolores was clearly testing Arnold because uh, it was, you know, based on his own memories and exact words that he had said, etc. Obviously not the case. Um, You just like, even when you know something, you don't know. In West no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that this was really interesting. There were some Redditors who had, uh, you know, theorized that the cradle itself is the weapon and the ability to simulate possible futures was was all interconnected. And like kudos to whoever came up with those theories, because it is so far beyond like my ability to come up with something so kind of like nuanced in in a theory like brilliant. I know that I'm kind of jumping a little bit here, but in a related to uh, way, like I feel like 
the valley beyond and the cradle are connected, but I don't think that they're the same thing. Ultimately, like I think that the cradle is being used as a testing ground to determine like the possible futures in the park. But like I feel like the valley beyond is maybe essentially a cradle housed uh, with human consciousness and it is the real world. So whereas the cradle is testing possible futures within the park, the valley beyond is like copied human consciousness that are living essentially in the real world inside the valley beyond testing possible futures beyond the park. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love that idea. I think that is so cool because I, so like one of my thoughts related to this is, um, so I like the theory that uh, one of the reasons that we can see Ford just know exactly what to do at all times is because possibly he has simulated the host uprising in the cradle and perfected right. it there, right? So like he knows when the cradle's about to be destroyed. He knows when to bring Bernard to wherever. He knows just like what's going to happen. And he's so calm because he simulated it so many times. So imagine what you could do, the power you could have if you simulate a coup of a government. Right. Yes. Because once you've run through it a hundred and, you know, 60 times, then um, then you're going to be able to, like, do it really perfectly. And I want to shout out Laura, our listener, one of our listeners who um, sent us a note based on the cradle uh, and thoughts about like so her daughter is doing research in this field fascinating so interesting um, yeah right um and how quickly these sim these simulations are happening in real life like this type of science is quite real uh and i saw a recent reddit theory that were that they think that westworld is roughly in 2052 um oh really yeah there's like a kind of a, a few reasons behind that hbo obviously has not confirmed that but like extrapolate out that that's kind of how far and i mean that's not crazy to think of as a timeline if you think of how fast technology is developing, you know? Right. So I think that's such a cool idea, Kim, where it's like, this is the cradle for the hosts and then the one for like actual humans. I mean, imagine the Right. Potential. So it was like, what made me think of it too was like, we were talking about just in a joking way last week about how like maybe the Valley Beyond is just like the cradle where they're all living in the matrix and they, you know, don't even know that they're yeah, um, yeah living in Plugged there. In. And then yeah. uh, of course it's made abundantly clear in this episode that Ford says that the technology has not progressed to the point where uh, human right. consciousness can live in a host body outside in the real world. But we know that they're continuing to make human control units. We've seen a bunch of them being made uh, just this season. And then we know that data is being copied and housed somewhere. To your point, the idea of the Valley Beyond being a physical location, you know, in that it is like... I don't know, a building with a server room somewhere or whatever. Where So at first I was thinking when Dolores says that um, at some point in this episode to Hale, she said that um, your chances of eternity will be lost in the valley beyond along with all the souls you've gathered there or something like that, right? So at first I was thinking, okay, well, they're using that just to like house the physical control units. But then I'm like, okay, well... If they're housing the control units, they're probably housing it in a cradle, very much like this one. So there's be there's questions beyond that, too, of course. No, we just figured it all out. Everybody, thanks for coming to the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God, a what a revelation. Night. What? There's still questions? <laughs> Kim, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> 
You guys should see the Google Doc we're working off, which is just bullet points of questions. <laughs> some of them is just like some of my notes are just exact quotes of people think <laughs> saying things in the show and then like discuss. <laughs> a question it's just like this person said this discuss what does this mean yeah oh god okay well let's continue with these questions with these questions okay so i have so not so much a comment as or a question as maybe a comment but um yeah and of course i don't think any of ford's revelations here were overly shocking because i do think we've talked around them a lot which is cool like i feel like unlike last season at least like we're not getting it right, but I think we're more in the like general sphere. Yes. And it's more articulating kind of the uh the details. Not to say it's not like totally mind blowing when it happens, but it's like, okay, like we were kind of like there. Um, but here this piece about, you know, Bernard not being a true creation of Arnold. So, you know, you work through him and his consciousness, but he's yes. never going to be like exactly an Arnold. Is then in this comments that, you know, Ford's made about humanity being the most destructive and awful species in the history of uh, the world. Like he is ultimately trying to create a more superior race than humans. So while Delos is just trying to make humans live forever, Ford's trying to make something better. Quote unquote. Yes. Right? Yes, totally. Okay, so like this is why he's just so kill happy. So I feel like the Delos project in terms of like the Valley Beyond being a separate cradle or whatever is probably because they are, they have this most likely to sort of test uh, human consciousness to put them in host bodies to let them live forever, right? But like right. from Ford's perspective, I think his priority is, um, you know, Using that as a weapon, uh, as, you know, Dolores probably, you know, plans to as well in order to, you know, get the hosts out into the real world and overthrow governments, take over the world, whatever, you know. So, yeah, I do think that, like, um, when he speaks to Bernard about them being um, a more just, more noble being than the violent humans that uh, that he intends for them to replace he he definitely holds the hosts to in a higher regard than the human race i think and that he wants them to uh to to overthrow them in my opinion but at, at, the, at the same time it's interesting because he he on the one hand created this uh, species to be better than humans, less violent, and at the same time is saying that in their current form they can't help but lose, and and then like you know ultimately like jumps inside Bernard's brain <laughs> to help him get there, you know. So it's like it's it's I, yeah, interesting. Exactly. He's kind of talking out two sides of his yes, very of his much face yeah. there. Um, so I don't know if there's more to that that I'm that I'm missing, but it seems like it's like where you're going to have to be violent to overtake the humans and then just like magically, are they going to become like just and noble again? I don't know. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm fighting for you to have your independence. So I have to take away your independence so that I can finish the fight on your behalf. Which end. is it's very aligned with Dolores. She essentially did the same thing to Teddy. 
Um, she told right. Teddy that in order to survive, they are going to have to like be a certain way. And because Teddy did not have the disposition that would allow him to do the things that Dolores thought was necessary, she took away his free will and made him do things that he would not otherwise have done. Like Ford and Dolores's approach is very aligned. So, so do you think that this means that Dolores is truly acting independently or... Yeah, we've talked a lot about this theory that Dolores is not acting independently. Do well, you think she is? It's it's hard to um it's hard to think yes, that is. she isn't <laughs> given that Ford said a couple of times in this episode very like directly there were there, there did not seem to be any uh riddliness to him <laughs> saying that like Dolores is free, this is no longer my story, this is your story when he says it to Bernard whatever. Like it seems like he was telling us point blank that she is not on a narrative. But we know that there is a narrative that is continuing to play out in the park. I mean, the man in black is he's on a story. So, uh I I am not really sure what I think there except that I I think that if Dolores is free, if she is um, operating of her own free will, that she is operating based on, you know, learned behavior or something that Ford must have instilled in her. I mean, I'm not I don't know. Like, it's too much of a coincidence, I think. Like, it's too close to Ford's own behavior for for her to be, just be simply doing her own thing here. Yeah, I so I struggle with this one. So three thoughts. One is, I still, you know, yes, he. Do, you're right. He says it explicitly, but I just find he's also so explicit about the fact that I need to take, you know, Bernard's uh, free will back in order That's to true. get this done. Like, I don't know if I fully. Well, of course, yeah, I don't fully trust him, obviously. So I'm wondering <laughs> if it's coming out in that way. And then two, this whole idea that things have played out in the cradle for so long, you know, on the other side, is it that, you know, they're so aligned because he has kind of seen this coming and, and knows how to react. And then three, I think that the revelation that it was both he and Dolores who worked so closely with Bernard, you know, which is a real revelation. You kind of forget about it. But he had told Bernard last season that he had kept the two of them apart, right? And then that's not the case at all. And so the fact that, like, there was, like, a Ford-Dolores partnership there to work on Bernard, um, it creates, like, a connection between those two characters that, in my mind, didn't exist last season. You know what I mean? Yes. And yet he's the one who chose Dolores to kill him and, like, like all of this stuff. And so, like, I think that's kind of one of the evolutions, too, is that it's not Arnold and Dolores and then Ford doing something else. It's like there's probably a bigger connection with Dolores than we thought. So maybe it's just that. But I am still still tied to the she's on some kind of, I don't know, influence somehow. But... Uh, what do you think about yep. the fact that related to this, like, so when Ford takes it goes into Bernard's brain, which I thought was so well captured by having Anthony Hopkins walk around with him. I uh, agree. I thought that I was agree. really cool and the reflections and whatever. Um, so Bernard almost seems like more awake than ever. Like he really because you know, you're actually seeing him like not want to do these things, but he can't stop himself. Um, That's right. Yeah. So like well, thoughts you know on what? that sentience? Yeah. I mean, like I, I almost think that it's like. Okay, I am going to have a hard time articulating this, right? But like, okay, in every other scene that we have had with 
with Bernard or really with any of the hosts. Like, I feel like there's almost like this invisible, um, you know, unseen strings that we're always sort of wondering, you know, may or may not be be being pulled, right? Um, and if yeah. they are being pulled, they would have been being pulled by Ford. <laughs> um, so like for the first time, we're kind of able to see a separation between those two things. Ford is literally there. He is a separate presence presence inside his mind, which kind right. of then means that like Bernard is fully separate and apart from Ford because although his actions from like an an outsider's perspective may still have that like if we didn't see the if we didn't see the internal struggle that's literally manifesting itself as like Ford as a separate entity, then like we would probably be wondering like, uh, you know, is Ford picking up the, or I mean, is Bernard picking yes. up that machine gun of his own free will or is he being compelled to do that in some way? But like, I guess the actual physical separation of the influence of Ford into its own separate body means that all that we have left in the Bernard side of things is the real Bernard. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. So, okay, extrapolate that out. Do we think in the present timeline, Ford is still in Bernard's head where we're not seeing him beside him? We've talked about how Bernard seems a lot different in the kind of present timeline as we know it. Thoughts? Yeah, I am inclined to think that Ford is still in there. Um, I mean, honestly, it would also would not shock me at all if he wasn't, of course. But like... Question. Do you think that Ford saying that he would degrade if he were out in the real world outside of the cradle applies to if he is in Bernard's head along with him. <gasps> Brilliant. <laughs> like, is it a suicide mission? You do it for a couple days long enough to like make it work and then you're you're not going to make it? Or yes. is it different because it's like the consciousness is different. You're in someone else's. No, you solved it. That's it. I feel convinced. <laughs> Like yeah, that, cut it I, off in 23 minutes. Yeah, I think that is fucking brilliant, and I didn't think of that at all. I I did think that um, Ford was still in in um, Bernard's head. I did think that that was ultimately probably what they were seeing when they were interrogating Bernard and seeing uh, that, like Costa said, it looks like. Um, he's like trying to debug his own brain or whatever right. like yes, it was under exactly. siege yeah uh so i thought that that had something to do with ford being in his head though Absolutely. maybe it has to do with the degradation of ford in his head right and then all of the you know the stuff that we had been talking about uh like that when we thought that it was potentially like Arnold inside of Bernard's body. And so like what we're taking to be just like blackouts resulting from the injury to his head is in fact Arnold degrading, like all of that stuff apply it here, but just, you know, Ford instead. But uh, instead of like a, a full degradation, do you think that like Ford will eventually be gone and then like Bernard will remain or is Ford taking Bernard down with him? Great question. Yeah. I it's a great, yeah. I mean where Bernard is a unique host and is able to kind of like be on his own, but I mean that that's very different once you put Ford's consciousness. I mean this mix of a human consciousness in a host consciousness and a host body uh just opens a lot of gates of like 
unknowingness, obviously. That's Um, right. So like a couple of things. The first is that like, I don't necessarily think that Bernard has accurately pointed hail to the location of Peter Abernathy's control unit. I do think that that was like a Ford influence leading her to something that, you know, I don't know what, but Ford has something planned for that. I think there was a very quick flash, uh, like a vision of Bernard picking up a control unit when Hale is questioning him about where Peter Abernathy's control unit is. And that doesn't really jive with sort of like what we know. We know that, that uh, Dolores has Peter Abernathy's control unit, at least in, in terms of where we last saw it. Right. So like him picking up, like for lack of a better word, sort of like a naked control unit that's not in the pearl or chestnut shell, Um, you know, somewhere in the Mesa, like that flash of whatever, it didn't make sense in terms of what uh, the context of what Hale was asking him, I didn't think. So I don't know what that means. So, okay. So I, sorry, this may not be directly tied because now it's just like all rumbling, like ruminating, right? So I'm just like... But I know we talked, Kim, last time we referenced the Harper's Bazaar article. You especially have been very good at conveying the kind of like Bernard scar, no scar, Bernard issues uh, related to whether we can trust what Bernard we're seeing and when. Yes. Of course, we were introduced to a bunch of Bernard bodies in this episode. That is not an accident. And I'm very confident that that is supposed to mean more than just you know, proving that he's a host. Like, I think that that's important. So I agree. Um, I Two ideas. One is that, you know, there's two Bernards actually out in like the physical real world, possibly more. Yeah. Um, who have, you know, have a version of Bernard's consciousness in them. And that is why they kind of physically have slight variances and then number two is this idea that these simulations were run in the cradle and are we truly seeing simulations um run against real-time stuff you know what i mean so like if that's the case like holy fuck because we probably can't trust yes oh my god i mean any of what we're seeing yes Okay, like at first I was actually thinking that in lieu of Bernard being on a loop that we're actually seeing, sorry, in lieu of him being on the loop in the real world and actually seeing like Strand and Hale saying the same words over and over again. It did occur to me that like maybe Bernard, all of that is is um, is a simulation as you just suggested. And I dismissed that because I was like, well, that would have to mean that like Hale is a host and Strand is a host. You can't run the simulation without having the consciousness. But I'm an idiot because the, the park captures all of their everyone's brains it everyone's brain so like um theoretically then delos would have a copy of the consciousness of anybody who spent any kind of time in the park so they could very well be doing a simulation with bernard over and over again without without physically you know having to like go through the motions of like talking it out play acting the whole time right um which is then a question about everybody's Exactly. And who is running that simulation? Is it Ford running it? You know, is it a past simulation where Ford is running it way back, you know, all the way back to, I mean, finding out that those widescreen interviews between Dolores and Bernard go that far back 
um, right? Like decades because that's when he was still kind of being figured out. Like there could have been simulations going way back. So these timelines could be even more crazy. Or is it a more new thing where it is Delos running the simulations? Because there's also lots of theories about, you know, they're running Bernard through these simulations to try and prompt him to reveal where Abernathy's um yeah you know, that's sort of more what I was thinking but then thinking. Yeah. I mean like okay I like I don't think that they are able to just like you know go to the valley beyond and like plug in the way that they would with the cradle because well maybe they can and the encryption key that's in Peter Abernathy is not like I was thinking the encryption key was some kind of a way of accessing the valley beyond but it may actually right. be like an exact duplicate right it might be everything um so it's like a second a second um backup of the entire valley beyond in which case maybe they can use it like actually strand said at the end of this episode to bernard looks like we're headed for a trip to the valley beyond right yes and of course william created it right like it was a right, uh, right, right, right. so it's like you know is it so okay let's go to that piece about the encryption key because like great question because i was totally with you i was like okay well this is how you access the valley bond but totally to exactly what we both just said but i think we're assuming delos doesn't have access to it which is not the case right like it's right. not a big mind-blowing thing for delos so then is the so it's a the you know, what's in Peter Abernathy's head is described as a failsafe for a failsafe. So yes. the cradle is a failsafe for the hosts, right? So it is the backup for all of the hosts, a.k.a. Yep. a failsafe. So is what Peter Abernathy has, this massive amount of data as we know it, is it a failsafe to a failsafe? Like, is it the backup of the cradle? And then also how Peter Abernathy describes what they filled his head with, which is like anguish and sorrow. Is that how he describes it? Like, right all of these awful loops i thought it was a backup to the valley beyond not a backup to the cradle to the cradle yeah yes i think that that what is in peter abernathy's head is the entire valley beyond data that they're trying to get out of the park so all of humanity's well not all but yes like like all of of the human consciousness i think that the the park backups i think the cradle is gone and I mean, like, I, I I, mean, I could be wrong on that. Obviously, you could be wrong on everything. But, like, Hale, I, I, just on a side note, was so blown away by this um, Dolores-Hale interaction. Oh, it's it was, so like, good. giving me chills. And I know oh, that, the Dol- like, Dolores as a character has not been everyone's favorite this season, I don't think, because I think that uh, a lot of people have felt that she's become a little bit two-dimensional in her... Um, you know quietness quietness or her villainness or whatever i mean like um this was not a two-dimensional scene right here it it gave me so much like i was i was living for it um and i loved seeing hail kind of like non-verbally like have this oh shit reaction right? when she realizes that Dolores knows exactly what her project is. She knows exactly what's in the Valley Beyond. Like, 
Yeah. So and and when Hale was saying like, um, well, uh, your backups are locked down, so uh, yeah, you're not, yeah. And Dolores was like, you know, they are our chains. Those are our chains. And yeah. I oh, did you really think I was gonna let that continue? Like I I li- I think that that was too powerful a scene. It was too impactful. The reaction from Hale didn't make sense for there to simply be another cradle, just like two feet away inside Peter Abernathy's head. I really think the cradle's done. Great point. Okay, so can I just, like, this is not, I don't think, so a huge topic for conversation, but what does this mean for characters who are now dead? So, like, there was a lot of Reddit love for the actor who plays Lawrence and the kind of, you know, inkling being that that was the last we've seen of him. Then there was also conversations about, like, as long as his... Um, Pearl was still intact. He could still be moved to a different host body. The backup is just a backup in case, like, everything gets destroyed. Yes. Um, so, like, do you have thoughts? I mean, obviously, Angela is probably not coming back because oh my God. she blew herself up. So. Angela, I don't think we can put those pieces back together. I know. So, RIP Angela. Uh, she did an excellent – that was just an excellent character. But, like, people saying goodbye to Clementine and Lawrence, like, are you with me and thinking not necessarily goodbyes for those characters? Yes, I very much agree. And although okay. I'm saying that, like, the cradle is done, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's done forever. I just do think that, like... It's not what's in Abernathy's head. Yes, like I agree. Backup. Yes, um, exactly. That's what I was saying. It's not what's in Abernathy's head. And then for whatever the one-third of the IP, the hosts that, the, that Delos no longer has right. their hands on, I don't think that they can easily sort of, like, bring those people back. But for Lawrence and for Clementine and whoever that they have, like, physical access to their um, control units and uh, the control unit is not you know, blank or virgin in the way that some of them were, uh, we were told in a past episode, then like, yes, I think that they can simply, you know, take that consciousness, back it up into a new system, put that control unit into another host. Like, I think that there is the possibility of those, of those hosts coming back in some way. And we also have the exact, like, you know, reference earlier, like there's the, Certain ones that are blank, because if they've never held information, there's all the host bodies floating in the water. I mean, there's, yeah, lots of questions that are all, I think, related. I just don't know how. Right. I do uh, think, though, that, like, given the, um, the information that we received, which is that, like, human consciousness cannot... Uh, survive outside of the cradle in a host body for more than a couple of days or whatever. I do think that that probably puts a pin in the theory that there are, you know, human consciousness in host bodies already. Unless there was, I mean, like, I'm not sure if it's uh, because we know that it's a rejection of reality that results in the degradation, not a rejection of the body itself. So unless they are already in host bodies, but don't know their true nature, if they just like think of themselves, if they're just like living a loop as any other host would, then I guess that's the only way where we might have human consciousness in host bodies, but maybe not at all. what is Bernard? You know, like, I think this is a really interesting question that I hope is is further discussed this season because um, they worked very hard to have him be more like Arnold. Um, And they gave him Arnold's back. So he has a lot of Arnold, but I guess is not truly a clone and was given a new name and, like, 
whatever, right? So he is not an exact replica. He right. is based on his personality, uh, based on Dolores's very, you know, exact memories. But like, I guess it's because he isn't an exact duplicate that that is the, that is the difference. Um, so like if you duplicate me and you don't call me Jess anymore and I have like tiny differences, but I still remember like my whole backstory and stuff, I'm okay to go. Like it's pretty darn close, but I guess, yeah, it's like, you know, we talked about exactly like Delos, right? Um, like it didn't work with Jim Delos who was trying to come right, put himself right back into society, just like he had never left. Bernard was never brought back into society like that. In fact, nobody knew what Arnold looked like. So it's like, yeah, sorry. I just think I've just got it myself there. So yeah, you're not trying to like another person who was kind of like Jim Delos, but not named Jim Delos and not exactly him. Couldn't just come in and take over the company again. You know, like exactly like, Hey, I recovered from my illness. Um, right that's kind of the difference right um so i mean that's kind of too bad because i was actually really looking forward to having this big reveal that a host that we thought was a host was in fact you know human consciousness so i guess you know like what what then uh do we make of like the man in black thinking for a moment that emily his daughter was a host Right. So I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about the man in black. So like, okay, if I, I don't have this fleshed out, but like, I can't believe we're done with Jimmy Simpson, you know, uh, playing young, young William. So how, how is the cradle going to be an opportunity for the man in black to ultimately confront where he went from white hat to black hat, which I really (gasps) like that idea. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming to me. Okay. What? What if, like, be the best, you guys? <laughs> what if the man in black, like, it's a wonderful life t- in <laughs> in the valley beyond? He could see like what <laughs> what life would have been like if he had never gone to the park, or like if he, if he had never turned black hat, that he could see what his life would have been like. I don't think that's completely crazy. I mean, like, I don't think he's going to go running through Bedford Falls yelling at the, you know, building alone. Clearly, It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite movies of all time. Every time a host dies. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Oh, my God. (laughs) Merry Christmas, you old building alone. Um... But what what about that? Like, what is... Yeah, the, the, the moment where he... Um you know, loses control and touch with the outside world in favor of getting lost in the park and has a chance of seeing, you know, the alternate reality play out of, of what that um, would have been like if he is ultimately able to go and live in the equivalent of the people cradle um, or something to like go and do that. I just can't believe we're not going to have some sort of reckoning. I agree. Slash redemption of that. And clearly I like, I think Emily's going to come back and find her incredibly almost dead dad. That's my uh, guess for where we're heading for him, you know, recovering. So there's going to be another reckoning there, but like, yeah, I, I really hope that there's some kind of like young old, I Even agree. if he could reconfront with his his past self, you know, what would that be like to be able to go and talk to your past self because that consciousness is there? Right. 
I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like that idea. I don't know what to, to what end, you know, ultimately, if he could see um, alternate realities, if he had taken different paths and that sort of thing, it doesn't change what he actually did choose, what he is doing, unless all of this is in the simulation, everything that we're seeing Oh, right God, now. if that's the case, then just like, yeah, I hang up my uh, headphones <laughs> so and quit the So what if business, we are yeah. still 35 years ago and it's, right. this is Jimmy Simpson living out a possible future if he chooses to go a certain path. Yeah, I feel like there's been too many terrible shows that have relied on that. (laughs) And it was all a dream. Exactly. So hopefully that's not the case. But that does come back to, you know, Ford's vision is that humanity has no hope and there is no redemption and therefore it needs to be like, okay. Old and New Testament, I'm not an overly biblical person, but let's try that. You know, like Ford is like, this is like the flood. Like he is just going to wipe the slate clean of people. They don't deserve to live anymore. They've been basically the worst. He has no remorse. Just like actually at this point, picking up a machine gun and killing people, you know? Um, And like, what if, so that's the one case where it's like, there's, that's the only way to fix it. And then the other case is there is a redemptive opportunity here um and it's it's like that is the kind of the man in black story and he is ultimately the one who kind of comes out as right so clearly you are not of the opinion that the man in black has died (laughs) i saw a surprising number of people who uh who thought that he could be dead I know, but you get a you get a, you do get that one shot of him like sitting up against the side of a something as everybody takes off and like right. I don't know. I feel like in this show, when you're dead, like they under triple underline it and highlight it. You know, like yes. same as I don't think Felix and Sylvester and Co are. You know, there's there's gonna be a they're gonna have to reunite with Maeve. Like if you did not die on screen. I do not believe it. So, yes, exactly. You know, I think Black is alive, so you know. I, I do think, I mean, I suggested in last podcast that I thought that the that Ghost Nation was deliberately hurting um, the Man in Black in a specific direction. And uh, I continue to think that that's the case. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Man in Black and Maeve were put in the same place at the same time to virtually live out the scene from season one, which was like, you know, the the murder of a host mother and child to sort of so see how far aligned. he could push himself in the, you know, sure. black hat arena. Like that can't have been a coincidence. Um, yeah. I just, so like, I mean, yeah, there's a one minute trailer for next episode. I mentioned it at the top. I do think uh, it first of all, looks excellent. And also um, the actor that has been playing, um, Akichita. Akichita, thank you, is actually Lakota, um, which is very cool. Oh, that's uh, very cool. Yeah, so speaks the language in actuality. Um, so it he it is him as a central character, and I do think we're going to see this kind of like, and I do think it's related to consciousness. Um, I agree. Just the, I mean, okay. Right? So it's like, yeah. Maeve could not control Lawrence because Lawrence is awake. And so the hosts that he she can continue to, to control are ones that have not recognized their own free will yet. 
I think, right? They have not um, recognized yeah. their own sentience and are therefore still subject to the voices of control that Maeve, you know, in, inflicts on them because they are not aware of the fact that they can choose to say no to that voice, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, again, you know, we've talked about it already in past episodes, but I think that uh, the, you know, the reason why Maeve was not able to control um, the ghost nation is because they are sentient we thought that at first and then we thought oh maybe it's because she didn't speak lakota and then last episode we very deliberately i think saw her not attempt to control them because we were right all along like she can't because they are awake Agreed. And I actually think it's a really good thing that her daughter is with them. I agree. You know, um, yeah, like, uh, that's going to come out as a like, I just, yeah, I think that that's going to be the, a great thing and that they, she didn't get scooped up by the uh, fixing team. Also, just like an aside, do you think Sizemore has got this redemptive thing coming for him? Like he hid away. He, you know, clearly was trying to look out a little bit for Maeve at least. I think that he's going to be the one to heal Maeve in this like loading dock or wherever he is right now. I do think that like, you know, he is going to realize that calling for help was a, an error in judgment, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I wonder if the man in black is going to be discovered by the rest of Maeve's group. That's, you know, not too far. Behind. Oh yeah, that's true too. Because, and then like, maybe Emily reunites with them. Like, cause she's going to be yeah. looking for them. So Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I think that that uh, that that might be a new group that we're seeing. If you would have told me last season that I would be like, Sizemore is going to do a great thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm really confident about it. You know, I really I just I, I don't know. It's like what they're doing with kind of these secondary characters that you didn't like super get into or like felt very differently about last season is very, uh, very well done. Um, yeah, agree. So, okay, so that interaction between Dolores and Maeve that we don't get very many of those. We had one earlier this season. Oh, my God. You know, God. Dolores' perspective. Yeah. About... So, so good. Yeah. Again, I saw a thing, especially Evan Rachel Wood, that if you are a crit like critic of her acting, I don't know how you watch this episode and come away with that same point of view. I just thought she did... The whole range and it was exceptional i mean they're giving her some great stuff to work with but you wouldn't believe a bit of it with a lesser actor you yeah. know it's like this is all um, yes her so, ability to kind of convey it i found it particularly interesting in this interaction between dolores and mave that dolores had just had this incredibly emotional and tearful goodbye with her father right before she ultimately kills him to get the control unit out of his head and yeah. then um when when you know, she asks Maeve how she came to be in this position. And Maeve said that it was because they have her daughter and they still have her daughter. Then Dolores responds by saying that the kin that they give them is just another rope to lash them down. And I thought that, like, how interesting of her to sort of be so flippant about Maeve's um, attachment to her daughter when she just Agreed. clearly had this very emotional response to the death of her father. So like, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, about that kind of reaction from Maeve, I'm sorry, from Dolores to Maeve's confession about her daughter. So 
I guess, I don't know. I think I have two directions. So one is I think I could use it as an indicator that I don't think Dolores is fully acting of her own free will. Yes. Um, and then the other is just like a naivete about um, how they both came around to their consciousness if they are both acting of their free will because Dolores doesn't know that Maeve was on a storyline to get out of the park until she made the decision. You know what I mean? So it's not that the of course like her daughter is a construct or at least was initially a construct but that doesn't mean the feelings that Maeve has for her are constructed right um and so she's missing out on that and maybe it's because like Dolores is so focused on the mission she's unfortunately missing this opportunity to have actual ties and maybe that will come back too in terms of like a relationship she I believe at one point had with William too feelings she at least one at one point had for William you know like those were not a construct. Um, that yeah, seems very real. I really think that this is going to come back in a big way. And I haven't fully sort of um, come to a conclusion about how I think that it's going to play out. But I think that like several times we have been told or reminded that, um, you know, suffering is the thing that makes the hosts more real. But like, I think that what what this might be pointing us in the direction of is like the um like emotion and relationships and love i mean that's all attached to suffering too i mean it was a lot mm-hmm. of the time it was loved ones that the man in black would harm or kill in order to induce suffering or whatever um that made the experience more realistic yeah you're right like that scene too we haven't talked in detail about but lawrence you know, coming over to Maeve's side is when yes. he remembers what the man in black did to his wife and daughter. Exactly. Um, totally. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Kim. Yeah. yeah. So I really think that there, you know, the um, that that relationships between the hosts and the realness of those feelings and the love and all like all of that is going to come back in some way. I do specifically think it's going to come back in in Dolores's life by way of Teddy and William. Now that her father is dead, those are her two connections, right? And of course, Maeve says in this conversation, you know, like when um, Dolores dismisses her connection to her daughter, Maeve wonders, you know, is that how you're able to justify what you've done to Teddy? Because Teddy is, uh, you know, arguably, I know William was a love of Dolores's life as well, but like Teddy has been her constant and, you know, absolutely. um, Okay. But so I know that like, we just got in real deep there, but I'm just going to like bring it back up to a superficial level and say that James Marsden has never been more attractive than it's the the swat suit and the badass Teddy. He's yeah, you're right. There's something about it. Like I'm seriously like, I'm a walking cliche. I'm like, (laughs) Teddy two episodes ago I'm like oh Teddy's so sweet and nice and like Teddy's the biggest fucking dick and I'm like oh my god James Marsden it's also like a nice it's funny because I thought kind of thought the same too when they put Evan Rachel Wood in modern street clothes in the episode where they take her out to make the pitch which she doesn't make right you're just like like I know you're stunning but once you're out of your like country western gear Yes. Wow. Right? So I think it's even just seeing Teddy not in a cowboy hat and like whatever and instead in this SWAT uniform that's so badass. (laughs) Yeah. No. But it's I know. Seriously. These I mean like 
these hosts, uh, they are beautiful. I like I, Tallulah Riley blew up the cradle using her sexuality. <laughs> like, what? I, okay, so can I just, sorry, this is also an aside because I read a great Reddit um, thread on this, but it was really quick. So I don't have a great amount of time to go back on it. But there is a thing about Angela's character and her ability, her emotional intelligence. It was yes. like really, really high set. Um, and I forget where we would have found that or we saw it somewhere. And it was because she was originally, you know, the greeter too, right? So she had to kind of read somebody and like be Put the them one that welcomes if they're feeling exactly. Un- yes, yeah, totally know how much you know danger versus like you're welcoming a family like you couldn't just be the same all the time so she really had to be accurate so like I saw a lot of critics of that scene say oh she just you know turns on some sex charm and suddenly the guy like blows himself up it's like I think it's deep way deeper than that it's like she would have gone so if it had been the Irish guy who I am sad we lost I really like that guy yeah Coughlin (laughs) or whatever yes yeah much better than Strand I liked him I agree. And I just like, have you stopped the killer robots yet? Is like still my favorite line, I think, of the entire uh, show. Um, I think she would have taken a completely different approach, you know, but instead she knows how to kind of manipulate this this uh, specific this guy. specific so guy cool I completely agree I also saw yeah. a lot of criticism of this scene but I feel like you're right that that um, we have to take into account Angela's ability to read the situation and act accordingly mm-hmm. and then I also think there's something to be said about this guy who underestimated her because she was a host and underestimated her because she was a woman and like an attractive and attractive right. woman like, yeah beautiful and yeah. so Angela to her credit recognized that that is the response from this guy and then used, you know, like used that situation to her advantage. You're right. She probably would have had a completely different reaction method uh, had it been somebody else, but it wasn't, it was this dick. And she like, (laughs) she absolutely did what needed to be done. And then like saved the fucking day ish. I mean, if you're Dolores, I guess. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on your perspective. If you're a host, but also, like, just, like, overall hashtag life goals is to be, you know, a casting director is like, we need someone who can be described as, like, a perfect physical specimen. Right. <laughs> Let's hire her, you know. Man, she is absolutely stunning. You're right. The characters chosen to play the hosts are just, like, so unique and and well chosen. Um, so, yes, also a big fan of uh, Teddy and the others in this episode. Um. I guess, I mean, that really, I think, uh, Kim covers most of what we'd hope to talk about. Oh, you did have a question here, sorry, about whether others can leave the park now. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Just that, like, so um, when, okay, side note, that Reddit has coined a new term. In addition to Bern Arnold, we now have Fordnard. <laughs> Which is an amazing name. I'm going to name my firstborn Fordnard. I shall name you Fordnard. <laughs> I have no more than that. That's all there is. Fordnard. That's all you need. Uh, no. Okay. And so like, I just want to say, sorry, just a quick kudos to Reddit that like Bernardold is actually an incredibly accurate name for who Bernard is because he truly is both Bernard and Arnold. So, so yes. it's like when talking about him, his name should be Bernardold. His anyway, name sorry, forevermore shall be Bernardold. Bernardold. Unless, yeah, of course, his name is Fordnard. Um, Okay, so when Ford compelled Bernard to um, 
like destroy what was left of the system. Then Bernard says, if we shut down what's left of the system, then Dolores will have free reign. And Ford responds, the passage from one world to the next requires bold steps. So um, I was, I was wondering if like, you know, it seems like Dolores has pretty free reign already within the park. So is what he's talking about the ability for her and the others to leave the park without there being any, you know, fail safe, you know, explosion uh, when right. they like pass through. I would have thought actually that that probably would have been down already. But like that's that is sort of how I read those lines in that context. What do you think? Great point, because we did, you know, have a conversation about exactly this and this failsafe. I hadn't thought of it um, until I saw you have it here. So that's a very good point. Um, so now the systems are all down, uh, you know. Yeah. The electric fences have been turned off. It's going to be chaos. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. One final thing, which, uh, again, was from this email from Laura. Thank you, Laura. Um, when she was saying that the new settings for Teddy. Um, yes. That uh, so I don't have them right in front of me, but ultimately it's kind of like the ones that you would expect. It was like increased violence, increased cruelty. But what was interesting is that um, a couple of his existing settings were left alone, including his setting for loyalty, which was 19 out of 20. So uh, in terms of the discussion that we had about like Teddy potentially being Dolores's downfall versus, you know, Teddy's um, true nature shining through and him, you know, protecting Dolores in some way, despite it all or whatever. Like, I, I do think that maybe the high level of loyalty will keep him on Dolores's side. I think that's a great point. Um, it's interesting. Left Alone was candor, candor, sorry, at 10 out of 20 and loyalty at 19 out of 20, which he seems to be more candid <laughs> with the, yeah. the shade we were talking about last week. But um, yeah, definitely. I think that's a really great point. And so he's loyal and maximized for aggression, cruelty, self-preservation, courage, tenacity, and decisiveness. The decisiveness especially, because I think he was especially indecisive uh, when he was more independent. You know, now he's just like, yep, bye, going to do it. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Thanks for passing that on, Laura. And then the very final thing is just um, Les Ecochets from the title. Yes. I did not know I what that was. Um, you looked that up as well? Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So an écorché is uh, a figure drawn, painted, or sculpted showing the muscles of the body without skin. Normally a, f a figure study for another work or an exercise for, a for like a student artist. So yeah, the human body with no skin where it's showing all of the sort of muscles and tendons underneath. That seems very familiar. Right. Exactly. Uh, I also saw a great thread, um, I think it was on Reddit, but if you Google it, of just like Da Vinci references throughout Westworld. We talked about these last year as well, mm -hmm. uh, the Vitruvian Man, but also the Last Supper, of course, that we saw. And um, even Da Vinci had attempts at artificial intelligence back in his day. So, uh, you know, Bernard, sorry. Ford, uh, Da Vinci, you know, combinations, but that made me think of, yes, this, this reference also made me think of that. And of course, like the opening credits and these characters being built and yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. excellent, uh, episode seven, Kim, I think we like, again, got to some 
some good discussion, I'm sure, much of which will be disproven, but it's like <laughs> based right. in solid ideas, you know? That's uh, all we can hope for. Just so fun to hash it all out. And like, yeah, we'll see what we get right, if anything, next week. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, great. So until then, uh, let us know if you have any feedback at kjrecaps.com slash feedback. Leave us a rating or review in iTunes. And we will see you next week with episode eight. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Thanks Jess. Bye. Bye.